by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. Um, well, first and foremost, um, how are you? I'm better. And as my dear sister Shantae said yesterday, unstoppable. <laughs> I like that, actually. No, that's what I say. You know, because, I mean, this has been a tough moment, actually. This has been, this is, this is not, this hasn't been easy. But before we get to that, who is Emerald Garner? Emerald is the daughter of Eric Garner, the sister of Erica Garner, the sister of Eric. Emery, Chardonnay, and Dorothy. Um, I'm a mother. I'm an auntie, a full-time auntie to my niece and nephew, um, Erica's two children who passed away. I'm an administrative assistant from Mega Everest College. I am just me. I'm regular. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're more than regular. I mean, I, I've been around you, and you are actually pretty phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you are, yeah, no, you are also, besides being a, a mom, besides being a a mom to, um, Erica's children, besides being, um, a daughter, you are an activist. Um, and you are, you are somebody who every time that we have called upon you, you have responded and gone right into it. So I guess let's just get to where we are right now. Your voice is so needed at this time. And I believe that people hearing your voice can get a moment of clarity because they're connecting the dots. So um, right now, our country actually has been in a bit of turmoil. Um, And let's talk about this current situation and then let's talk about your situation and then the parallels for that and then many other things. But first... Have you been watching the news? Have you been seeing what's going on um, in Georgia, in Kentucky, in Minnesota, in New York, all across this country? I just want to kind of get your just your thoughts. I just I just kind of give you the floor to give your thoughts to kind of like where are you at right now and everything that's happening. Yeah, so um, I don't keep up with the news like watching it, you know, at nine o'clock. I mean, at ten o'clock or at at um, six a.m. But I do see the updates online and. I think that as far as the riots and as far as the precinct burning and, you know, the, the protest and everything that's going on, I think that none of that would have happened if George was with us today. If that if those officers were arrested, I'm sure that they would not be out protesting and looting that way. We want accountability. So it, this was bound to happen. I'm, I'm sorry to say, and I'm very sad to say that, this, like, is this what it's going to take for change to happen? Because we've been peacefully protesting, we've been silently protesting, and they're still killing us. I'm sure that that officer that killed George, he saw the video of Eric Garner. He heard the cry, I can't breathe. And he did the same thing to him that Daniel Pantaleo did to my father. What's it mean to you to hear and see George Floyd, who was murdered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, say exactly what your father said, I can't breathe. It just means that we it was a major setback. For me, it was a major setback because a couple of years ago in the interview, I said that I don't doubt that there will be another Eric Garner with the way that, you know, police are, you know, behaving towards Black folk 
and here we are six years later and we have another another person who who cried i can't breathe we had a young man named andrew care who was killed in schenectady and he cried i can't breathe and the officer said oh he was doing the i can't breathe thing so that that just tells me that it's it's, it's a problem you know that the, their view of of black folks is a problem I agree. We're we're talking with Emerald Snipes Garner, who was the founder and president of This Stops Today, the Eric Garner Foundation. She is phenomenal. I work with her on many occasions, and we are just we are now friends. And so, um, as we've seen the situation with Floyd in uh, Minnesota, there were some parallels. And so, right now. There is a rebellion going on. Um, what are your thoughts on the rebellion that's happening across the country? I don't think that the rebellion in uh, Minneapolis is something that just started because of George Floyd. I honestly believe that maybe those, you know, that they feel like they were targeted, that a lot of injustice happens in Minneapolis. And this was probably the first case that went viral for them. And they're sick of it. They're tired of it. They see it in every other city, every other country. They see every other city and every other state that, you know, black lives don't matter. And now we have a full video of 500 pounds on one man. And after we had a video five years ago of the same exact thing, and people are tired. Like, I'm tired. I'm I'm at a crossroad right now. And I can say that my heart is at a fork in the road because... You know, I've been telling people to be peaceful, to be peaceful, to be peaceful, but then we keep dying. So I can't keep telling people to be peaceful if I don't believe in the peacefulness. Like, I feel like I'm lying to people if I say, oh, yeah, be peaceful, change is going to come. I don't see change and I I, want to see change. So that's why I'm pushing. I'm pushing harder than I ever did before for the laws to be changed. The Aragona law, the Andrew Kears Act, the Stavante Clark law. Like we, we need these, these laws and policies to be changed. And people are fed up. When you see people, I mean, let's talk more about that, that part there, about the being tired. Because I feel you on that. I really do. And it's, it's 2020. This is not, I mean, this ain't 1920. It ain't 1960. Mm-hmm. This is 2020. And, you know, we are young people and we're saying that we're tired um, already. And I'm seeing reporters who are not only being arrested. Yes. Ridiculous. You walk past the white reporters to go to the black ones. And you, you are now seeing folks on TV who are breaking down crying. So for you, I guess the question is twofold. One, you know, really explain, particularly for those, young, those younger ones, because we got a lot of young ones right now who are out there, they, 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 they riled up. When you say you're tired, what does that mean? But also, then how do you keep yourself going? Like, you know what I mean? So explain that. Because I think a lot of the young warriors in our movement need to kind of hear you explain, what, what's it mean? When the, why, why, why am I tired? And, and, then, and then what's it mean when you say, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm, I'm pushing on? In other words, like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I'm still going forward. What's that mean for you? For me, self-care is everything. I'm, I'm on a new journey. I'm juicing. I'm working out more. I'm being more active with the children. So I'm doing more for myself. I'm doing more for me. After my sister passed away, I saw that she wasn't taking care of herself, but she was still trying to fight for other people. And, you know, like they say on the plane, fix your mask before you give somebody else a mask. And I watched my sister deteriorate 
and I watched her break down. I watched her suffer a massive heart attack at 27, leaving behind an eight-year-old and a four-month-old. Four if you look at the timeline, for like two years after my sister passed away, I was not saying anything. I wasn't doing anything because I was that angry that I kind of probably would have said after police, but I didn't mean it. But I was in such of a trance that I was like, you know what? Let me take some time for me because I need to redirect my life and redirect where I want to go with, with my life and with my fight. I got myself some therapy. So now the girls, uh, my girls get um, trauma therapy and their therapist. They call me. We have conversations. We have text message, you know, group texts and stuff like that. So it's, I would say self-care is the most important and, and really knowing what you want. Like, I know that I don't want to be used. I know that there are people out there that would want to use me for my face or use me for my name just to gain clout. Like, I know that I don't want anybody talking for me. I know that I have a voice and I want to use it. I know that I have ideas on how I want, how I want the children to see us. At me and my family, my mom, my dad, Erica, like, you know, I know that I don't want them to see anything negative about their mother. So I'm, I'm always going to push for the positive. That makes me very happy to hear that. I'm going to tell you right now, that makes me, I'm happy. To, I got to start doing some of those things myself, but I'm so happy you're doing that. Actually, you just don't know. But it's hard, but I'm trying because, you know, uh, as black folks, we used to a certain lifestyle. You know, food is, is how we come together. You know, oh, let's let's have a dinner. So I've been trying to do more healthy options. My mother's mother is actually 94. She has no diabetes, no blood pressure. She uses the bathroom. She gets up. She talks. She just can't hear too well because, you know, her hearing is going out. But she still remembers stuff from when she was 12 years old, 6 years old. She shares so many stories and she's staying here during the quarantine. And I'm like, I want to be like you when I get 94. You know, I'm trying to, like, make more healthy choices. As you know, I, ha I have asthma really bad. So, so Emma, you, you were talking about a very important piece there, actually, in regards to health and wellness. So just so you know, actually, I don't know if you know, this, this show, this is actually a part of something that we do called Think 100%. And it's around our work at the Hip Hop Caucus around actually clean living and the environment and fighting climate change, and actually how we connect the dots between uh, racial justice and environmental justice. So this actually connects those dots, what you're saying. So, And it's important because in the climate movement sometimes, and a lot of other movements too, um, a lot of times it will be predominantly white, and a lot of times they don't connect, we and they sometimes don't connect the dots, so they don't understand when we're talking about what's going on in our world in regards to racial justice and police brutality, how that's directly connected to environmental injustice or health care or education or other things. So, you know, you were just kind of just talking about um, how, you know, you have asthma. I know your, your father had asthma. I know Erica had asthma. And I know that actually where you live, it actually has the most trees and then any, any other borough. But as we know, 68% of people of color, particularly African-Americans, live within 30 miles of a coal-fired power plant, causing us to have emphysema and asthma. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about, literally when we're talking about, you know, I can't breathe, sometimes it's not only the fact that we're being choked out or murdered by police, but it's also the fact that these corporations are literally hurting us as well. And they're, they're cutting off 
um, our lives so that we don't have these wonderful long lives that we should have. So you were just about this about your 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 asthma, and I should just talk about that. I mean, in that aspect about that and about this about you were kind of in the middle of about as your asthma, and there's also wanting to be healthy. You know, it's been a struggle for me, of course, because I'm like I'm all over the place, and you know, when you're working. And you have children, and it's like, okay, let me just buy something to eat, and we'll just buy something outside and eat or whatever. Um, I still eat pretty much the same thing. I still eat beef. I still eat chicken. I still eat fish. But I just cook it a different way. Like, I, I have a slow cooker, or I put it on the grill, or, you know, um, I have the kids actually in the kitchen cooking. Sometimes I'll be like, if you don't cook, you don't eat. So I'll just sit there and be like, okay, so what you going to cook? How are you going to cook that? So what you going to do? <laughs> so that's uh, a fun thing that we do together. I think it's all about, you know, what you what, what kind of seasonings you use, what kind of ingredients you use. I know that everybody is going to a plant-based diet. I actually worked at a foster care agency where I ordered the food for the students every week. So I would order food for 30 students, uh, $80 each, you know, every week for groceries. And one of our students, he was on the Dr. CB diet. It was just a lot of fresh herbs, spices, no meat, very uh, plant-based he didn't even eat tomatoes. He didn't eat carrots. But he was like, he was like, oh no, I don't eat this. I only eat that. So I learned a lot of things from that student. So you know, I used to tell him all the time, like you know, you taught me a lot about eating. That's that's mostly what I look towards and what I try to do. My little part. That's great. No, that's great. I actually when I when I last saw the girls, I mean, they they looked beautiful. I mean, they were. I guess when you were you were speaking and they, you had them all dressed up in the in their dresses. Man, it's like and actually I was just. Last year, it seemed like so long ago, actually. But how they doing, like with all the with COVID nineteen and school and all that kind of stuff? They're doing okay. Both of them are being promoted. My niece is going to the sixth grade, so she's going to have a virtual graduation this year. They're learning new things because uh, I actually asked them after the shutdown, like, "What do you know about coronavirus?" Just to see, like, if I'm teaching you well. And my uh, niece was like. Yeah, I heard that if you get the coronavirus, you die. And I was like, no, no. So then I had to start letting them watch videos and watch the news and see all of the people that recovered from coronavirus. And we actually know people personally. My daughter's godmother, she contracted coronavirus and she worked for um, transit. And she contracted coronavirus and she came out on the better side of it. So I was real thankful for that. And she was able to, you know, give us, you know, her... Her journey through it. Her and her sister had to quarantine together because they both were exposed and they both tested positive. So it was good for me to share with them that we know somebody who had, who had it and they came out of it okay. So um, I didn't want them to get to, to have that fear because I had that fear. As soon as I heard about it, I pulled the girls out of school. I was asking a lot of questions like, hey, are you guys shutting down? And as soon as they shut down the colleges in New York City, I pulled my kids out of school because Public schools were still open for about probably about three or four days after the colleges closed. So I I, sh- I pulled them out right away. So I think they have a better understanding of what's going on with coronavirus, and they know about the new situation with George Floyd. So I kind of keep them up to date, but I don't let them watch the feed. I was gonna I was gonna ask you that. I mean, so and for those who are. Tuning in, I'm talking to Emerald Snipes Garner, who was the daughter of Eric Garner, who was killed six years ago. And we're kind of reflecting on now what George Floyd, who was killed recently, and literally uttered the exact same thing as Emerald's father, Eric, and now actually about Eric's grandchildren. I'm in this, and I guess 
I was just going to ask you because they're, you know, they are, I'm going to tell you, they are beautiful little girls, bright, attentive. They were so good at that event, better than I was. You know, I was, you. You know I was, I'm the one that was bouncing around and trying to, they were great that evening. And I guess I was just wondering because, you know, a lot of time with the babies, we don't, we go right to us sometimes, but the babies are watching this as well. So I was going to ask you, have they actually seen their grandfather or, or have they seen uh, George Floyd? Have they seen any of those videos? I think uh, I'm. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what Alyssa has seen because Alyssa did go on the campaign trail with my sister, and I don't really ask her too much because it, it's kind of triggering. And Alyssa wears her emotion in her face, so I notice that sometimes when we bring up her mom or if we say something, like her face will get sad. But I do, I do think that she did see the video. Um, my mom just recently. Um, had a premiere for her movie, Eric Garner, um, The American Trial, The Story of Eric Garner, The Trial That Should Have Been. And um, I was streaming it on my TV to, you know, because my mom said that she thinks that the girls should watch it. So I told the girls to sit down and watch it. But I forgot that they played the video in the beginning of the movie. So I thought they played it at the end. And um, I, I, put the, I put the video up on the TV and I had them sitting down. I had grandma sitting down. I had everybody um, ready to watch the movie. And when the video came on, my daughter started crying. So I told her, you know what? I don't want you to watch the movie because I, like, I, I just, it just, like, you, she just started crying. And I was like, you know, you know what? Don't watch the movie. Just go, go in the room. Just go in the room. Because I want them to know about it, but I don't want them to, to see, like, it's very triggering. So, um, yeah, I don't want them to watch the video. Like, if they, if they come to me and tell me that they want to watch the video, I'll let them watch it. But right now, I don't want them to watch it. How does it make you feel, I guess, in all this? Because, I mean, just so people know as well that uh, Emerald is taking care of um, her own children, as a, and she's the daughter of Eric Garner, but she's also taking care of her sister, who passed away, who was also advocating for her father, Erica. And that's in those children as well. And I guess, and then you got to take care of yourself. And she just talked about that a little bit, how she's definitely, I'm so happy to hear the self-care and the juicing and everything else. But then um, that makes me, I told her, that makes me so, so, so happy. Um, but I just, as you were talking there, I just realized when, I, I'm going to tell you something, you know, Emerald, and I keep telling you, man, you are so amazing and brave. I, I, I'm, I don't know how you can, Watch. I mean, because you get to, you see that, but then when you, how does it make you feel when you hear I Can't Breathe Again from George Floyd? Well, I didn't watch my father's video until five years later. So I didn't watch it when it first was going viral and everything. I would walk out, uh, if, it, if it was playing anywhere, I would distract myself. Um, I ended up seeing the video when we, uh, when we had the CCRB trial. Uh, for the police officer, which ultimately ended in him being fired. Um, I I just, I, I can't bring myself to watch the video of George Floyd because I don't, I, if I had one, if I could give the family one advice, one piece of advice, it would be to not watch the video. I watched how that video affected my sister and broke her down so much that it, it just took a piece of her soul every single time. So if I could have to- spoken to the family the same night that it happened, I would have told them not to watch the video. Because that's not something that, I, I don't think that the family should see that. Like, I, I, I just don't, 
I, I just don't agree with it. I don't agree with it being played on TV every single time, you know, having to, to hear the audio. Like, that is going to be very traumatizing. It's still traumatizing for me. Like, it's, it's still hard for me to watch. So it's it's never going to be easy for me to watch. I'm never going to want to watch the video. But, you know, it's, it's an important piece of history. So that's why I kind of, like, it eases my heart a little bit because it's an important part of history. But I would just say don't watch the video because you don't want to watch a video of your loved one being killed. And you, you're literally watching the life get drained out of your loved one. Mm. That is not a good feeling. It's not a good. It's not good for the mental health. It's not good for your your state of mind. It's just it's just all around not good. And I would say don't watch the video. Don't watch the video. Don't watch the video. No, I definitely hear you on that. And so I actually want to switch, switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about what you, what some of your activism you've been doing. Obviously, um, you are the founder and president of This Stop Today. I just always love this saying that actually, Emerald. Um, founder and president of This Stop Today the Eric Garner Foundation. Um, and so talk about how you are dealing with and helping to organize around like um, the deaths from your father to even today from Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. For me, I started the foundation a while ago. Um, through my work, um, I usually go into schools and I talk to young people. Right before the shutdown happened, myself and Ethan Thomas, we, we went to a couple of schools. We went to Eagle Academy. We went to Horace Mann. We went to Yale. We went to Harvard. We went to a whole bunch of colleges and a whole bunch of um, places to talk about what, what we went through. Because um, what, what I went through as a victim and what he went through, what he went through as a basketball player fighting for, fighting for black people. And I was using my voice to give power to the young folk because what I tell the young people all the time is everybody's expecting us to be the underdog. Everybody's expecting us, oh, a child needs to be seen and not heard. Or, you're, you, you, you know, the, the older folks are the people with the voice and a ch- a children should not talk to people or, you know, that, that old that old mentality of a child should be seen and not heard. And now is not the time for that because we're the next presidents. We're the next um, elected officials. We're the next police officers. We're the next first responders. And now is the time for their voice to be heard. I always tell young people, always, always tell them. Growing up, we lived in a bad neighborhood. We lived in Brooklyn. We lived in Mother And that was right across the street from one of the worst projects in Brooklyn, which was Howard Projects. And we lived right there. And my mother barely let us go outside. She barely let us go hang out with our friends. We were not allowed to spend a night at anybody's house. We were not allowed to go out and be at your friend's house. Oh, after school, can I go to my friend's house? My mom said, you come home first, you drop your book bag, I see your face, and then you could go back outside. So that's the type of stuff that she would do. So I would just tell people, like, let, let's be productive. Let's find something to do. Let's use our talent. Let's use our voices. Because a lot of people think, oh, because I don't get media coverage, that means that I'm not doing the work. And I tell them all the time, that's absolutely not true. I do a lot of things that don't have anything to do with media. This past December, I had a Christmas giveaway and not one news station came through and and filmed it. But we fed over 200 families and we gave out over 250 gifts to to, um, kids. And we even had people rejoin the line to come back and give out some more stuff. So myself and Andrew Kears' wife, Angie Kears, Michael Blake, Natalia Fernandez, Aries the Voice and um, Danny, Danny Barber out here in the Bronx, and we did a big giveaway. So I let them know, like, just because it's not covered on the news, it doesn't mean that it's not valid and it's not relevant. Like, I don't get a lot of media coverage when I do 
um, events. And I don't really look for media coverage. I don't do press conferences. I don't do stuff like that because it's not about the media for me. It's about the people. So if I could get 500 people in this room and I could give them a hot meal and a toy for their child for Christmas, I don't care about the media. So like a lot of my work that I do is it surrounds working with young people, working with some of youth, working with, um, you know, interns, working with uh, RFQ&E people. Like that's the, that's what I thrive in doing. I worked at a foster care agency for three years. My passion is to build up a child. And that's the work that I like to do. No, I love that. You know, I love all of that. So actually, I want to change gears. I want to have a, uh, well, I'm going to start with something serious and then we're going to have some fun. So the serious part of it is this. I mean, have you seen um, this kind of trend where particularly white people have been calling the police, like weaponizing 9-11? Every time they see something wrong, they like, if it's uh, at a pool or at, you know, recently we saw it with uh, a brother in Central Park. I mean, have you seen those kind of activities? Okay. First of all, so let's do that first, and now I'm going to get to some of the fun stuff. What are your thoughts on people like using 911, knowing that that can actually get, like even the situation like from George Floyd, I mean, the person at the store called on a supposedly forgery in process and and, or a fake $20 bill or whatever that was, and that got him killed. So what, what are your thoughts on particularly white people calling 911 on black people? I think that they know that they're using it as a weapon. They know that they could, that the outcome could possibly be death. I don't think that she, I don't think that she thought that it was just going to be an arrest. She said, he is harassing me. Ah, I'm scared. Oh my gosh, look what he's doing to me. So now they're rushing to your rescue. I'm a white lady. He's attacking me. So she knew exactly what she was doing when she called the police. So I think that they, they want, they know that the, that the, the, the mentality of police officers are to kill black people and they use it as a weapon. So I absolutely think that they weaponize 911 in that, in that case, in that situation. And it's happened multiple times. It's happened to people I know. You go to Walmart and people think, oh, oh, you're black. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to spend your money here. So they call the cops for you. Or, oh, you, you parked in this parking spot. I'm going to block your car. I see a whole bunch of videos and people who go through those things. And I just think that people use 911 as a a weapon, specifically white people, using it as a weapon. No, I agree. All right, so let's have some fun uh, a little bit. I'm going to ask you some things. So in that situation, again, the situation just happened uh, where uh, Christian Cooper. So do you know what a burner is? No. Nope. So so a burner is actually um, somebody who goes out to look at birds, like that's what they do. They get their binoculars, and um, there's a actually it's a great organization called the Audubon uh, Society, and they actually do that stuff. And um, but anyways, and so he was a what they call a black birder. He's obviously a black man who liked to enjoy nature and birds, and in particular birds in the famous, I guess, called the Bramble in Central Park, right? And so that's what he would do. So, and he would go out. And I would love, as one day, I would love for you, Emerald, to meet Christian. I think that'd be a great conversation. I think that'd be a great conversation to discuss that. I think kids, I think that. But in that, there's this thing where, um, within the ways the environment 
um, tries to connect people to green space, which you were saying earlier. You kind of said how I wanted to get outside. You know, I want to make sure I'm, you know, I'm juicing, I'm walking, I'm taking care of myself, I'm just getting air, I'm doing those kind of things. So that's a whole part of making sure. So we want to actually show there's a connection there where we want to make sure that the environment, we have clean air, we have clean water, is connected to green space. But the problem is, what we've seen recently, is that when people of color go outside to be in these green spaces, um, they've been encountering either police or vigilante or just kind of weaponizing 911 violence. And so, like Chris, Kristen Cooper, actually, have you seen the video of that of, of that one? I don't know if you've ever seen the video of Kristen Cooper. Kristen Cooper was the one where he would, the lady had her dog in Central Park and he was there, and uh, I don't know if you saw that video at all. Did yeah, I did see it, but she was choking the dog. She's calling the cops on the guy, but she's choking the dog. So why are they getting her for animal cruelty? I know. Actually, they, they, I, think they, I, think, <laughs> I think they took the dog. I think all that was, I think the dog was taken, but but you're right. No, so okay, so you've seen the video. Good. I will make sure you yeah, had seen the yeah. video. All right, all right, cool. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, so Christian Cooper, who was this, Birder. Now you know what that is. Birder's my watches basically just watches birds. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a what they call black. He's a black man. He's an avid black birder, and he's enjoying nature and the birds in the famous bramble in Central Park, where dogs are supposed to be on a leash to protect the wildlife. Um, and so, uh, you know, he asks this white woman to put her dog on a leash, and then uh-huh. and we know what happens, right? Um, now, Christian is actually on the board of the New York Audubon Society, and he actually, they released a statement. This is my question to you in that, um, in, this, in, in, this, in this aspect. One, we also, we're seeing this situation where even when black people just come outside, like if they're wearing a mask, with Ahmaud Arbery a few years ago before the situation now when he was just jogging, but he was in a park. He was just rapping, just enjoying the day. Police stopped him and, and tased him. Um, we saw it with Christian Cooper, how literally he was just being a birder. I guess for me, when you think about like green space in New York or you think about just going outside, literally, what, is it, what does it mean? Are black people... Are black people like endangered? Like, are we like endangered species where we can't enjoy the greens? We can't go outside because we do go outside. We're in fear for our lives. Like, what are your thoughts on all of that? Like, what are your thoughts on just the standpoint of just us being free to do what we want to do? I think that it's sad and unfortunate that you know white people have this stigma of black people like like you should be afraid and oh, I'm scared of you and justification of police brutality is I fear for my life. And, you know, it, it's just, I think that that is, is, it's very heartbreaking because we didn't ask to be here. We was brought here on slave ships. If you, if somebody is doing something to you and they're threatening you and, and they're actually doing something to po- possibly put you in harm's way, then I can understand the outrage and, you know, and, oh, I got robbed. Uh, and now I, I'm suffering the trauma and now I got a little PTSD and you know, that's, that's a little different than I'm in this park and you can't be here because you're black. And it's very unfortunate. And with the situation in Central Park, Central Park is a big park. 
So for her to for her to get upset because somebody's saying put your dog on a leash when there's a clear sign that says put your dog on a leash, you should be able to control your emotions. Like if you don't like black people, maybe you should go somewhere where there there aren't any black people. But in New York, you're gonna see black people, white people, blue people, orange people, silver people, you know, people of, of different cultures. Like this New York is a melting pot. So for her to be here and think that she's superior because she's white, oh, I, I'm in New York, I'm in Central Park, and I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. You're not. It's ridiculous. No, that's, that, I agree. That's for the same facts. So you know, I, I got, I got you doing the culture questions. If you, if you ready to go out there and you gotta get pumped up, what do you, what do you listen to? Like what, what music? Like or, 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 or even like a show or a poem. Like what's that song? or thing that you put on to get you fired up? My favorite, 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 favorite two people that I listen to every single time I play my music is my music mom, Mariah Carey, and my music auntie, uh, Mary J. Blige. <laughs> That's what I listen to to get pumped up. I know that uh, the London Sessions now from uh, Mary J. Blige, that's my, that's my favorite album right now. And of course, all my oldies from Mary J. Blige and Mariah Carey and, you know, Jagged Edge and... Uh, 112 and all that. I listen to all the oldies, oldies but goodies. <laughs> like phone conferences and like three-way calls with my friends and stuff like that. So last night I actually had three two-hour conversations on the phone with three different people. So the first call was about three hours and then the next call was about three hours and then the final call was about two and a half hours. So I didn't go to sleep till about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we were just up talking because I was just, I feel so passionate. I feel so pumped up. I did a panel with George Tillman's sister, Sandra Bland's sister, and um, Rodney King's daughter. And we did a we did a panel discussion. And I, ha- I was fighting my tears the whole time. I kept walking out of the screen. And we connected after. And it was just like, I'm like, you know, I, I, I want to talk to people who understand my pain. And they understand how I feel. And, you know, if I say... I, I I don't want to deal with this right now. I, they understand me because they they have days like that. So it was empowering for me to talk to other people who know exactly what I'm going through. Because people could say I feel your pain, but if you never lost your father on national TV, you can never feel my pain. And one thing that stuck with me about um, Rodney King's daughter, Laura King, Laura King, she she hit the nail on the head. She said after her father was brutalized. He didn't come back the same way that he left. So he came back and he was not the same person that he was when he was, but like before he was brutalized. So for me, it was like, wow, like imagine if my father would have made it out of this and he would not have been the same person that I remember him to be. How, how, imagine growing up and knowing that your father would never be the same because somebody did this to him. His attitude was not the same. His words of encouragement were not the same. So that resonated with me because I, I think and I imagine, what if, you know, like the doctors told us when Erica was in a coma, she might not be 100% her if she comes out of this coma. Imagine if Erica would have came out of the coma and she wasn't the warrior that we knew her to be. She wasn't the, 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 the activist that we knew her to be. She wasn't the strong, powerful, get crazy, turn up, don't care about nothing, flip over tables for her father. What if, what if she came back and she was not the same? So that, that, that's, that was an important factor for me. So it's important to me to make sure that I connect with people who not only understand how I feel, but can relate to my pain and my struggle. I, I hear that. 
I definitely do. And and um, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I uh, was protesting, and I actually had a viral moment. I don't know if you know. I actually, I don't. I don't you probably don't know this. I, I actually was. Um, I was on Capitol Hill, and um, uh-huh. was protesting the uh, the Iraq War, and it was there. I was like the only black person in the hallway, and I was protesting. And they came and they grabbed me, and you know, it became a moment. Like it was, you know, it was caught on tape, and it like had hundreds of thousands wow. of views. And the cops broke my leg, like literally snapped it right wow. there in front of everybody. Like literally, I, I, and I was in my collar, um, yeah. you know. I, mean, I, I was, I was revving up. I, I was, I was revving up. I was like, man, I know they gonna beat the reverend, but they beat the reverend. Um, they beat was, the reverend. Hey, you know on. what I'm saying? It was crazy, but. And then broke my leg, and it was like, I mean, so I know what you mean when you say that. Like, it's like people, to this day, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're traumatized, and to this day, I mean, you know, it's just, there are moments for me having gone through that. And then now having my children say things like, oh, those are those crutches, that wheelchair was for that. And, then, you know, it's just, it's just like you're right. So it's just, it has a, right. it has something that you just, when, when you become kind of the, the person in that viral moment, people just kind of see it, and they're like, and and they, and they want to be with you, and that's nice. But sometimes they don't understand that pain. So I definitely, I, I, I and I don't. I mean, obviously, thank God I wasn't killed. You know, in in that hallway. Yes. Um, but it was close. I mean, could have been. I mean, so. But I mean, so I understand what it means to be in that moment and how that moment just happens. Um, and and how it lives. Because even to this day, everybody mm-hmm. now can just they go YouTube and they can just click on it and they say, oh, that's the time when. They beat up, you know, they beat up Rev, you know, protesting the war in Iraq and broke his leg. So, but anyways, I, I, guess, I just got a few more questions. Yeah, no. So I just wanted to tell you, I, I guess that you probably, so that's probably why we're good friends and we, we connect so well, because we probably have a lot more in common um, than, than we think in, in many cases. But um, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's real. But let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask just two things. Um and then, you know, I just thank you for your time. Really, dude. So two things I just really want to say. So because you're kind of in this club, right? This club from Trayvon to Tamir Rice to, you know, uh, Brianna, uh, Ahmad, George, on and on and on and on and on and on. And they, these folks who've been brutalized, um, you know, if you now can bring everybody together, not just, but specifically them, those families who continue to go through this. Um, and they said, okay, Emerald, here's the mic. Um, and even for you, because you've gone through not even with like your father, Eric, but your sister, Erica, and the situation, you know, actually my question more so is that what solutions and how could you be hopeful to them? Like, what would you want to like for, for the next, even for, not even for us? Like, even for the ones who will come after us, like, what would you want to tell them, say, okay, Emerald, tell them something for the next generation. What would you tell them? I would tell everybody to stay united. Um, I notice with a lot of organizations, everybody's divided. Oh, this organization's over there. I don't want to work with this person because they work with that organization or whatever. I just say, we need to be a united front. Like, right now, we need the laws to change. Right now, what I'm calling for is for all elected officials to get behind the Eric Gardner law, the Andrew Cares Act, and the, Stephon, and the Stephon Clark law. And I need everybody to get behind that because that would stop, that would federally prosecute officers. It would um, 
it would appoint an independent prosecutor on all police brutality cases. Everything would then become transparent. You cannot shoot somebody in the back while you're running away. Because, uh, you know, Stephon Clark was, was shot in the back while he was running away, and so, so was George Tillman. And it's like, if they're running away from you, how could you fear for your life if somebody is running away from you? So, like, I, I just say to the, the next generation is to be united. Don't let nothing stop you from, because I'm, I'm guilty of letting things stop me because of my emotions. And all emotions aside, we have to fight for justice and we have to fight for change. So it took me a while, it took me a long time to let go of my anger and my frustration and let go of the pettiness. That's what I call it. It took me a long time to, to let it go. But once you get there, I'm not saying just let it go because it's not going to be easy. It's very, it's very hard to let it go if you have an issue. If you have something that's on your heart that's weighing real heavy, you can't just let it go. I would just say work through it and work on what you want for justice. So like get behind the laws, repost the videos, um, the videos. And if, if you feel that you can watch the video, you can repost it. I support you. I just can't do that for me emotionally. But I will support everybody and everything that they're doing. I want everybody to come together. I want everybody to be a united front because us united against them would, would show like we're a united front. And you, you're not only affecting me, you're affecting my future children, my future grandchildren, my great grandchildren, my great 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 grandchildren. So I would just I would just say to the upcoming generation, I would say stand strong, stand tough, be resilient, and don't take no for an answer. Because now people used to be telling me no for the past five years, everything, everything, everything is no, 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 or I just want to get a response. Now I'm making demands. It's like, now we need this. We need you to step up. We need you to talk out. We need you to speak up because look at what's happening in the world today. The state of social justice is in jeopardy right now. All of the work that we've been fighting for for the past hundred years is about to go down the drain and we cannot allow that to happen. It's powerful. No, that's very powerful. If folks want to find you, um, where can they find you? Give them those good information and, and, and support you. And the commission give them all the information so they can find you and support you. Yes, so on all social media platforms, I'm Emerald Snipes, Emerald underscore Snipes. Um, today is actually Erica's 30th birthday. I'm doing a virtual birthday party for her because I know that we can't gather because of COVID-19. And to ask people to gather is to ask them to put their life at risk. So I decided that everything that I do will be virtual for now until we can find a safe way to do things. Um, so we're going to have the virtual Zoom party today at four. So we're prepping for that. Um, I'm going to have a national call on Monday at seven o'clock with elected officials. Uh, it's going to be on Zoom and Facebook where we, where I'm basically demanding that you guys stand behind the Aragona law, pick a law and stand by it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking for support. I'm asking for, I'm asking for money. Um, I, I did create some t-shirts, uh, that I would like people to purchase. I'm not asking for money. Uh, the money is going to go, the money from the t-shirts is going to go back into the movement. Um, it's going to go towards, you know, our next uh, gathering, whenever we can gather. You know, I'm asking people to support in that way, uh, like and share the, uh, the post about the national call. Uh, we're going to have Andrew Pierce, uh, Andrew Pierce's wife on there. Uh, Savante Clark, he said that, you know, he would, he would support. And we're just basically trying to get all of the survivors together and speak for ourselves so it's called we all we got <laughs> we all we got national call because it's, it's true we, we really all we have so let's let's stick together 
Well, you know, you always have the support of the Hip Hop Caucus, um, and you know, and we gonna keep fighting together. So you know, we 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 gonna yeah. we gonna be with you in that process. Um, so so Emerald, uh, today is World Environment Day. What does that mean to you? World Environment Day to me means that we need to be taking care of our environment. We need to be taking care of ourselves. Uh, COVID-19 is a vicious disease and it's, it's, it's killing black people off at an alarming rate. Taking care of yourself, taking care of your environment, taking care of your community, and taking care of your brothers and sisters, your, your aunts and uncles, your mothers and fathers, taking care of each other. And right now, it's so important for us to stick together and take care of ourselves and our community and our environment because we're being killed off not only by COVID-19, but also at the hands of the police. It's important to me because we need to live. And I'm raising three Black babies, and I want them to live. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a nonprofit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. Big 100, big 100.